Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome back, everyone. It's Matt Warren, Editor-in-Chief of BuffaloRumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlings Podcast Network. The Buffalo Bills lost to the Indianapolis Colts in very convincing fashion on Sunday, and we're here to break down all of that stuff and talk about how perhaps the Bills can move forward. Um, we got questions coming up about uh, the New Orleans Saints game, which is on Thanksgiving night, and uh, you know what it really means for this Bills team going forward. But before we do that, I wanted to remind you about how you can send in your questions for our future shows. Uh, you can tweet us at Rumlings Q and A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. We love your voicemails at 716-508-0405. You can also text that number, 716-508-0405. You can send us Facebook or Instagram messages to the official Buffalo Rumlings account. Email us, buffalorumlings at sbnation.com. Lots of ways to get in touch with our show, and many of you did this week. We always get more questions when the Bills lose, and we always get more listens when the Bills win, which I always find so fun. Um, it just goes back to, you know, human psych psychology and all, all that stuff. But in any event, uh, let's start where we start after every Bills game with my takeaways from the game. And remember, I write these during the game and immediately after. So if you've uh, heard some stuff in the interim that might explain some of these things, then and we'll talk about more of those uh, after after my takeaways. But first, let's go all the way back to the beginning of the game where the Buffalo Bills had a pretty poor first quarter. The Bills hadn't allowed an opening drive touchdown in 20 games. That goes back 23 games if you include the playoffs. Uh, back to October of 2020 against the Tennessee Titans. The Bills also lost that game by the same number of points. Uh, it was also a shellacking at the hands of the Titans, just like it was uh, to the Colts this week. Uh, but this week, it was the longest active streak in the NFL. But it took 11 plays, 65 yards, and more than six minutes off the clock as the Colts drove down and scored an opening drive touchdown against the Bills. In fact, it wasn't just opening drives. Opponents hadn't scored a touchdown in the first quarter against Buffalo all year, but Indy scored twice. It put the Bills into an early 14 to nothing hole, and it didn't get much better after that. Which takes us to our second point about how the defense can stop pumping themselves up. The one guy they had to stop against this Colts scored five times in the first 45 minutes of the game. And you could say that the Bills turned it over on offense if you really want to, but the numbers are still embarrassing for the Bills' defense. Jonathan Taylor is 100% going to be the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. He had 185 yards on the ground and four touchdowns plus 19 yards and three catches for another touchdown. The number one defense in the NFL, they kept saying it over and over again on the broadcast, has looked like garbage multiple times this year. Yes, they've had some great games, but they have also just looked terrible in others. It looks like they were just feasting on bad competition in those games. Another disaster for the Buffalo Bills on Sunday was Isaiah McKenzie. It was only a matter of time, I think, 
Um, the kickoff return fumble that is called a crumble with a K is one of the most demoralizing plays in football. The Colts score, they kick off, and then they get to the ball back at the two and score again. So it's just a double whammy. We talk about how effective the double dip is, scoring at the end of the half, and then at the beginning of the second half. This is even worse because it's just, it involves a, a turnover, and they get the ball right back at the two. It wasn't even like they had to drive down the field and score again. It took 13 seconds for Indy to put up 14 points. The Bills elected not to sign last year's Pro Bowl returner Andre Roberts in free agency. He was also available in October. They didn't pursue him. Marquez Stevenson is eligible to return from injured reserve when they want him to, um, but they've made no indication that that's going to happen. Now, maybe they want to bring in that guy over this kind of mini-buy they have after the game this week, but it doesn't seem likely. McKenzie has uh, 10 fumbles in his first two seasons which is why the Bills added Roberts in the first place in 2019, because they didn't trust McKenzie. And then earlier this year, he had the muffed punt that luckily was um, <clears throat> was went into the end zone and was ruled a touchback instead of uh, having the opponents recover it for a touchdown. Like I said, it feels like it was just a matter of time before McKenzie made a mistake, and uh, the Bills need to get better at that returner position in my opinion, at least with better decisions. You might end up seeing Micah Hyde back there to catch a punt um, at some point, too. Some people have been questioning Sean McDermott's decision to go for the field goal with 23 minutes left in the game, uh, fourth and five on the Indianapolis 31, and I think it's a really valid criticism. I'm stopping just short of saying that Sean McDermott was gutless. They were down 17 points, so you're down three possessions, with 23 minutes left, which means you're, especially the way the Colts have been running the ball, you might only get the ball th back three times. And so you're saying that you have to score on every single drive, one, and if you kick a field goal, now you have to score touchdowns on every single drive. So it's fourth and five at the Indianapolis 31. Um, Tyler Bass had been automatic that year, and maybe that's why they were using him as a crutch, but they go for the field goal. It doinks off the upright because the wind didn't push it the way Tyler Bass thought it was going to. And um, and so it even added further insult to injury. But if you think about it, the Bills don't just need to score 17 points. They need to outscore Indianapolis by 17 points. And so with the way that the Colts' offense have been running, you have to think that the Bills are going to have to score at least 21 points to win that football game. And so you, instead of thinking it as a three-possession game right now, you have to think of it as a three-touchdown game because the Colts are going to get into field goal range and kick another field goal, or the Colts are going to go down the field and score again. Instead, later in the game, they go for two when they're down by 23. Again, they were down by 23 points. It's a three-possession game still at that point because they didn't go for it earlier. And so now it's a three-touchdown game plus two-point conversion. So there's just so much less room for error because they didn't go for it on fourth and five. Okay, so I didn't use the G word. I didn't call him gutless, but I was super close to doing it. If it was, you know, I don't know, five minutes later in the game or, or in the fourth quarter, I would have used the term gutless, but it was early enough where you at least can understand the benefit of the doubt, but it was the wrong decision for sure. While some folks are focusing on a different member of the Buffalo Bills defensive line where we'll get to in the second half of the show today, Mario Addison had <clears throat> two bonehead plays in the game, both on the same drive. Um, 
he extended an early Colts drive with a low late hit on Carson Wentz. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense for him to to take that risk and take that hit on, on Wentz. I mean, A.J. Klein was also called for pass interference on the play, so that also would have extended the drive. But you just can't make stupid plays like that in the backfield against a guy like Carson Wentz. Later on the same drive, he whiffed on a sack of Wentz that would have ended the drive. There were no penalties on that play. Instead, Wentz like, goes underneath Addison's arms and runs for the first down, moves the Colts into field goal range. It just it was an example of the entire day for the defense. Not that they were missing tackles per se, but just kind of like, what are you doing over and over again? Just keep asking that question. The AFC South was supposed to be easy for the Buffalo Bills. The Jacksonville Jaguars and Houston Texans have been a mess. The Colts were one in five. Instead, the Bills went one in three against the division they were supposed to stack wins against. It was a disaster in terms of playoff seeding because of the AFC tiebreakers. At least they don't necessarily have to worry about the Tennessee Titans right now um, in the wild card race. <laughs> That's fun, um, but they do have to worry about the Colts now, and it's it's going to be a hard thing for the Bills to overcome to get to. I mean, even the one seed, they're not going to be able to get the one seed now, I don't think. Um, but you know, if if they do end up behind the Patriots, it's going to be difficult in the in the wild card race. I still think they're going to make the playoffs, but kind of stings to say that in that way, that they're going to make the playoffs when they should be competing for the one seed right now just by beating teams in the AFC South. Um, I did have one positive takeaway from the game, and that was Ed Oliver playing well again. Um, And I've seen a couple clips from him even since the game ended where you got to watch the tape to show his his true impact. But even during the game, he he just is playing so well this year. And it's just been so fun to watch him, um, whether he's playing one tech in place of Star Latulule or three tech with Latulule back. He, he's definitely playing better at the three tech position, but I've just written his name so many times this year as someone who's made a flash play or been able to disrupt a play enough for somebody else to make a flash play. Uh, he's, he's played his way into the fifth year option for sure by this point in time. He's adding splash plays to go with his every down um, just really nice work, and he's doing it um, even without Star Lutulule. Uh, with the Colts in the red zone holding a seven-point lead, Oliver got his arm on a third-down pass to force an incompletion, uh, and then the Colts had to kick a field goal. He had a third-down sack taken off the board in the third quarter, and he pressured Wentz on a third-down throwaway with 11 minutes left as well. Um, he had a tackle for a loss in garbage time. It was just a nice to end my takeaways with something positive and and Ed Oliver has consistently been that positive presence even though the the Colts ran down the Bills throat I, I do not think that it was Ed Oliver's fault um, so when we come back from the break uh, it'll be quick I promise uh, we've got a bunch of questions as you might expect so don't go anywhere <laughs> All right, first up is Andrew Sunday over on Twitter who asks us, we seem like a finesse team who loses to power, physical, smash-mouth styles of play when you look at the Titans, Colts, and Steelers. We've drafted physical players like Allen, T.E., I don't know who that is, Brown, Groot, Ford, Knox. Oh, Tremaine Edmonds, that's who T.E. is. Okay, so we've drafted physical players like Allen, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, Spencer Brown, Greg Rousseau, uh, 
Cody Ford, Dawson Knox, have we missed on some of our other draft picks? Also, it doesn't seem like we go after physical players in free agency. Well, I'll I'll disagree with that. I think John Feliciano was brought in specifically because he was a physical player. Um, I think Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott both said that in their press conferences after the games that they lost the battle up front at the line of scrimmage. And obviously with Spencer Brown out, the offensive line loses some of that physicality that they have with him in the lineup. Um, I don't think anyone's ever going to say Deion Dawkins is like, you know, a physical mauler, but he's, you know, a great, a good blindside protector that's had, you know, avid and down year this year, probably because of, you know, his stay in the hospital right before the season. But, um, it's both defensive line and offensive line. And that defensive line is where I wanted to look right now because the Bills have invested so much there and they just are getting such a little rate of return. And I'm looking specifically at Vernon Butler, who, I mean, looks like he gave up during that game. He just did not play well at all. And he hasn't played well all year. Um, he was a guy that definitely could have been released um, this offseason, they instead restructured his contract to lower his cap hit, which was a good business decision. And if he just played like he played last year, would have been okay, wouldn't have been great. But he has definitely regressed, and, and Leslie Frazier even called him out for it in his Monday uh, press availability. So he's the guy I'm looking at. Harrison Phillips is a limited player. Um, he's playing about as well as I expected him to play. Um, he's never going to be... Uh, a game-breaking defensive tackle, uh, super physical specimen, but he was fine in um, in replace for star Latulale. But I just didn't see the physicality at the line of scrimmage, and and even AJ Klein, um, who's supposed to be this big physical linebacker, um, was blown off his blocking assignment multiple times on on Sunday against the Colts. So if he's supposed to fill a hole and he gets blown up instead, it's not. I mean, that's still at the line of scrimmage, even if he's a linebacker and not a defensive lineman. So I think that was the main problem is the physicality at the point of attack from the Buffalo Bills defense. And I'm, I'm pointing it, you know, really at Vernon Butler um, and Harrison Phillips and A.J. Klein. Um, I already talked about how Ed Oliver was good. And there was a couple uh, nice videos floating around on, on Twitter on Monday showing Ed Oliver blowing up wham blocks and just being overly disruptive for the Indianapolis Colts. So, like I said, I'm not going to blame him. But that physicality it was certainly lacking on the Bills' defensive line. Um, I don't know about the free agency piece. I, they prioritize it in certain positions. And, like I said, with, with John Feliciano, that's one of the reasons that they re-signed him. Um, so I would love to see them add you know, at least one more I don't know, super physical defensive tackle um, this coming offseason. And that's been my number one draft priority for a while here. Um, I, I even talked about it in September, not knowing what Star Latulale was going to be like when he came back, and he's been pretty good. But uh, I want that really disruptive piece in the middle of their defensive line. And that's a priority for me, especially with Harrison Phillips becoming a free agent. Not that he's been a super disruptive defensive tackle. I just I wanted an upgrade there. So um, get, rid of, get rid of some of the dead weight and add another huge run stuffer Bye-bye, Vernon Butler, and we'll be a lot better off. So thanks for your question over on Twitter, at RumlingsQ&A. We'll stick to Twitter here because we have a lot of them. Uh, the Bills need to spend every 2022 draft pick on linemen, and Burita needs to start as he's the only back who can get to the edge. Was that a question, Derek Caldwell asks us? Um, 
I don't think that the Bills need to spend every 2022 draft pick on linemen, uh, but they're going to have to spend several picks on linemen um, and probably a running back. Um, Matt Breida needs to get into the game plan right now, I think at the expense of Devin Singletary, who's just done nothing. Well, I mean, it could be either Moss or Singletary. I, Moss has no game-breaking ability whatsoever. Um, he just he can't. He can't gain chunks of yards, and you know Singletary is obviously limited too. So just get Brita more playing time. I don't really care how you do it. Um, that likely means the return of Jake Kumaro to the active roster this week and sitting down either one of Moss or Singletary. I would assume it's going to be Moss just because he was inactive in the first week, but I don't really know. Uh, Buffalo D's deck asks us pretty much the same thing. What is Dable's hesitancy to use Brita? He's quicker to the outside to hit holes than either Moss or Singletary. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think he... Talent is such a weird, wonky word. I'm not sure if he's as talented as them, but he's better than them. He has a better burst. Uh, like you said, he has good vision. And he at least brings something to the run game that we don't see in the other running backs. So I agree. I think we're going to see much more of him going forward. Even if it's still, I don't know, a, a three-way split on Thursday against the Saints just because they have limited time to prepare for this game. I think over that mini bye week between the Thursday night football game and the Monday night football game the following week against the New England Patriots, you're going to see even more installed for Matt Breida. And if you look back at him uh, historically, he's you know he's been able to carry the load for a running game, at least in, in spurts throughout his career. And so I'm interested to see what he can bring to the table coming down the stretch here for these Buffalo Bills. Get back Spencer Brown. Uh, get back John Feliciano. This Bills run game could really take off in December, and they're going to need to um, as the weather turns a little bit. So thanks for your questions over on Twitter, guys, at Rumlings Q&A. Uh, Mr. Potter on Twitter asks us a little bit differently. Uh, he wants to draft the best offensive lineman at 10 and 42, then a home run running back in the third, and then gigantic run-stopping D after that and yeah, that kind of brings up the point of you can't just draft a whole bunch of offensive linemen um, or even just a running back and offensive lineman to fix your problems because you have other problems. And so I, I wouldn't be opposed to them spending two picks on offensive linemen at, in the first round and the second round. Um, it probably isn't going to be my preference where they end up, uh, but using premium picks, using picks in the first three rounds to address offensive guard. Um, running back and run stuff stuffing defensive tackle would be good and even if you want to include the top four rounds and, and go all four of those guys like Mr. Potter said that wouldn't be the worst but you also have a cornerback who's going to be leaving in Levi Wallace and you have other things you need to address as well in an aging wide receiver group so you know there once we get to draft time we are going to start to have these more difficult conversations about what is a baseline replacement level player look like for you? Is that John Feliciano? Is that Levi Wallace? Do you want, where do we want to improve? Where are we okay? You know, like I said, even improving over Levi Wallace, dude's a free agent, so he can leave if he wants to. So um, off prioritizing the offensive line and running back and a run stopping defensive tackle. That's pretty much what my list was in the beginning of September. If you want to go back and look at it, um, I think I had, Defensive tackle number one, offensive guard number two. Um, I didn't have running back on there yet, but I guess we have to add that. So thanks for your question over on Twitter. We got a text message into the Buffalo Rumblings Q&A hotline at 
716-508-0405. Do you think it's the draft status of Singletary and Moss that is protecting them more than it should? Asks Greg from Syracuse. No, I I think that might be why why they make the roster next year. Um, but typically speaking, the 53-man roster is set by Brandon Bean and the 46-man game day roster is set by Sean McDermott. So I don't think it's the protected draft status. I think they saw something in the offseason from Devin Singletary that they really liked and were hoping that the light would turn on. And, you know, he played well this offseason and in the preseason. And they thought that they were going to get something from him that they haven't seen in the regular season. And the same thing with Zach Moss. You know, they thought he was this bruising physical back. And that's true, but he doesn't have the vision to find the holes. He just tries to run through people. And he can't really do that in the NFL. So I don't think it was the draft status. I just think they thought that they were going to get better play from Devin Singletary or Zach Moss. And the only reason I say that it's not draft status is because I think that matters way more to Brandon Bean than it does to, to Sean McDermott. So thanks for your text message over at 716-508-0405. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. As always, you can send us your voicemails or text messages at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumblings Q and A. That's what the word and spelled out in the middle. Email us buffalo rumblings at sbnation.com. You can send us Facebook or Instagram messages and they'll make their way to me as well. The Buffalo Bills have a short week this week, as I've said previously. They played the New Orleans Saints on Thursday night. Hopefully, our Thanksgiving will make us uh, thankful and grateful for the Buffalo Bills and, and uh, not sad. So, as always, uh, I'll take your questions for next week's episode and go Bills.